The scripture said that he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. But you still have to ask him. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, you, you still have to ask. Sometimes we want God to read our mind, and, but you still have to ask. I thought about, <clears throat> we're getting ready to start a series today, and it's simply called, Who is That God? So for the next several weeks, we're going to be exploring who God is, his attributes, his characters. Remember last week, I talked to you about the fact that he is God, and he said, I change not. So you don't have to, how many of you have ever, don't point at anybody, but how many of you have ever had a relationship with someone that was a little moody? And you never knew from one day to the next how they were going to wake up. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's just kind of like, you know, a, a, a new person every day. God's not like that. He's the same. Everybody say he's the same. As a matter of fact, now let's explore it a little bit deeper. How many of you have ever been a little bit moody at times? You ever have a wake up and, you know, you got off on the wrong side of the bed or you just rolled off the bed? And it just, and, and so... There's a God that is the same, and you have to understand that that God is the God that we serve today, and he wants to show himself real to you like you've never seen him before. So we're going to talk about today who is that God. How many, you remember a guy by the name of Daniel? Let me give you just a, a, a brief history of Daniel and what's going on. You know, the kingdom of Israel divided. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was known as Israel, or, and the capital was Samaria. And the southern kingdom was Judah, and the capital was Jerusalem. And they had gone on like this, and Israel kept growing further and further away from God. And Judah's king at this time is Hezekiah, and he's trying to draw close to God. The king of Assyria came in and conquered Israel and they besieged Samaria. They took it over. They carried everybody captive and Israel was no longer. And then he turned his sights on Judah and he came in and when Nebuchadnezzar came in, Nebuchadnezzar came into to Jerusalem. He, he surrounded them. He was the king of Babylon. He surrounded it and when he surrounded it, he began to take the choice people out. He got their wisest, their best. Everybody say the cream of the crop. Say, pastor, what are you doing? I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. So he's, he, he does all this and he's, he's gathering them together. And what he wants to do is he wants these men to forget who they are. He wants them to forget where they're from. He wants them to forget their God. How many of you have ever had a friend try and talk you out of your relationship with God? You know what I'm talking about? When you got saved, everybody wasn't excited about it. When you got saved, some folks didn't want you doing, you know, it's all right, go to church, but you don't need all that other stuff, man. Just, you know, don't, don't get carried away. But you know what happened to you. And so nobody could talk you out of it. And so what happens is the king starts to reassign identities to Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. 
And so that's, that was their Jewish name, and he gave them Babylonian names. He called Daniel Belteshazzar. He, he called Azariah Abednego. And so that's where we ended up with the three Hebrew children and the term Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We don't even know them by their Jewish name. We know them by the Babylonian name that was assigned to them. How many of you know that sometimes people are just trying to identify you? But you've got to be who you are with God. And so when this begins to happen, they, they come in and they said, look, we're going to separate ourselves. We're going to make sure that we're not losing who we are. And so they separated. They kept themselves from the king's dainties, the king's meat and all that. And then they begin to grow in wisdom. As a matter of fact, when they got done, the scripture said that these guys were 10 times wiser than any of the astrologers or the soothsayers that the king of Babylon had in his kingdom. And then the king has a dream. Everybody say he had a dream. The problem is Nebuchadnezzar can't remember the dream. So he calls for all of his wise men, all of his astrologers, and he says, tell me the interpretation of my dream. They said, well, King, tell us the dream and we'll tell you the interpretation. He said, I can't remember the dream. They said, well, we can't tell you an interpretation of a dream that you can't share with us. And the king got mad. And the king said, you're just trying to buy time. And he said, I I'm going to have you all killed if you don't give me the interpretation. Well, the word gets to Daniel and Daniel runs to the king and he said, give me a moment. Give me a night. Let me have some time to pray. And so he gets his buddies together and they all have a prayer meeting that night. And that night, God shows him the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. He dreams the same dream. And he goes to Nebuchadnezzar and he said, I've got the interpretation of your dream. He said, you dreamt of a statue. And he said it was fearful. It had a head of gold. It had a chest of silver. It had uh, loins of, or it, it, he, he said that he, his thighs were of bronze, his legs were of iron and the feet of iron and clay. And Daniel goes on and he interprets it, but he says, that head of gold was you. Now, how many of you have ever had a compliment paid to you that kind of went to your head? Anybody? You know what I mean? It's when all of a sudden somebody says something about you, like maybe they say, well, you walk like John Wayne. Really? And so it just kind of enhances that part of you, you know, and you, you just, you know, and, and so when Daniel gives him the interpretation, instead of just receiving and understanding that God was showing him what was going to happen in the future, Daniel got, or Nebuchadnezzar got hung up on that head of gold. So the next thing you see him doing is building a statue of solid gold. Everybody say solid gold. The thing was 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. Can't you see him walking around? I'm that head of gold Daniel talked about. Now he's got a statue and what he did is he gathered everybody up and he gathers them all together and they stand in, at the foot of that statue and he, he gives a command. He said, now when you hear the music sound, I want everybody to bow down and worship this image that I've made. And if you don't, you're going to be thrown into a blazing furnace. And so everybody hears the music, and guess what? Everybody bowed down, except 
for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when they find out that these guys aren't bowing, and why aren't they bowing? It's because that's not who their God is. Look, when you know who God is, you can only serve him. You don't run after other stuff anymore. You, you have to serve him. When, how many of you, when you got saved, knew you were saved? Wave your hand if you knew you were saved. Now, how many of you were ever, could, could somebody out of the fact that you were saved? Oh, man, when you get saved, you know it. When all of a sudden God changes your life, you know it's been changed and nothing else is going to satisfy you except the power and the presence of a real God. And so they, they refuse to bow. And the king finds out about it and he gets mad. Everybody say mad. Any of you ever got mad before? No, 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 we get upset. That's why that vein pops out on your head. That's why all of a sudden your face turns red and you struggle. <laughs> mad. He's so mad, he, he brings those boys in, and I'm just going to give it to you in plain English, okay? He looked at me and he said, all right, guys, there's a rumor going around about you that you don't want to bow down and worship my image. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you another opportunity, because after all, I'm a good guy. I'm going to give you another opportunity to worship this image. So when the music sounds, if you bow down and worship, everything's going to be all right. But if you don't, I'm going to take you and throw you into that furnace and you tell me who is that God that can deliver you out of my hand. Amen. Everybody say it. Who is that God? Now, I want you to make this real. So if somebody threatened your life and they said, you either deny the truth of God and you deny Christ and all that he is, you deny the Holy Spirit and all that he does, or we're going to kill you. Make it real to you. What, what would be going through your head? Man, do I, do, I mean, do I do this? Do I, do I deny it or do I hang on to who I know God is? They didn't even have to think about it. They turned around and they looked at him. They said, King, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. He said, our God is able to deliver us out of your hand, and he will deliver us from you. But you need to know something, King. Even if he doesn't, we're not bound down to your image or worshiping your God because I know who that God is. Once you know who he is, listen, man, when I got saved, nobody had to tell me I was saved. I knew I was saved. I felt something come over me that I'd never felt in my life. I couldn't explain it away. I didn't know exactly what was going on. All I knew is something had done got a hold of me. Turn around, look at your name and say, something got a hold of me. Now, look, I'm not, if, if, if you've ever stuck your thumb in a light socket, you know something got a hold of you. We're talking about a living God. Everybody say a living God. So do you understand that, that when it comes to God, God's not about, you know, coming up and shaking somebody's hand and joining the church. That doesn't get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is when you recognize who that God is. And you say, God, here I am. I, I want you in my life. That king got so mad, he cranked that furnace up. How many of you husbands have wives that are always cold. You know what I'm talking about during the winter time? And they crank the furnace up and you're laying there sweating and you're saying, baby, 
What do you got that set on? I don't know, but I'm freezing. And you go and you check, you know, and it's 78 degrees in your house. And you're thinking, man, come on, let's turn it down. Don't touch that. Don't turn that down. I was so thankful the first time we got a car that had thermostats on both sides. I thought I didn't even know they made something like that. Man, that's got to have been a gift from God. That's just, you know, thermostats on both sides so you can adjust for your temperature. And then sometimes it's just the opposite. The ladies, no matter how cool you get it, they're still hot, right? I went by one, shook their hand today, and I said, I was helping fan her, and she said, I'm doing this all the time, man. And so she's, but the king gets so mad, he has them crank it up seven times hotter. The, the soldiers that take them and throw them in the fire are consumed by the fire. Now, I want you to understand how hot that's got to be. I've had fire blaze back in my face before, and I went in the house, and my daughter looked at me and said, oh, Dad. I said, what? She said, your eyelashes are all curled up and crusty. <laughs> it, had blown, it, it, this, this, it consumed them. And they threw them down. This is what I'm telling you. You're not going to get through life without your faith being challenged. You're not going to go through this journey without the devil trying to intimidate you and trying to take you out and tell you what's the use in even serving God. He's going to give you every opportunity to throw your hands up and walk away. But I'm telling you that there's a God in heaven that's real. He's alive. And if you'll hold on, you're going to get your miracle. You're going to get what you're after. Man, all of a sudden, he, he, he tells them, he, he throws them in, and the king looks up, and he says, wait a minute, guys. He said, we threw three men into that fire, but my calculator's not working, because there's four guys down there walking around, and one of them looks like the Son of God. And Nebuchadnezzar hollered down into that flame, and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And they stepped out of that fire, and when they stepped out of that fire, they looked at them. There wasn't any of their garments burnt, none of their hair singed, not even the smell of smoke on them. I'm telling you that God will get you through it if you'll just hang on to him. Sometimes you're trying to navigate health issues and, and, and things are happening in your body that you don't understand. And when you're in pain, it doesn't matter how much you pray, the pain's still real. Am I telling you the truth? The pain, and so you're, you're trying to hold on, but there, come here a minute, James. You're trying to hold on, but while you're trying to hold on and you're trying to pray and you feel like something's got a choke hold on you, it's hard to keep faith. So go ahead and pray. <laughs> pray. Out loud. <laughs> Jesus, help me. Je Je said, Jesus, help me. Pray louder. Go ahead, pray. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, Do you understand what I'm talking about? It's like you, you're overwhelmed by what you're facing. But hear me, quit looking at what you're facing because he's got a way of showing up in the middle of what you're facing. He didn't, he didn't say, boys, just trust me. I, you know, I'm going to take care of you. He jumped right off in the middle of it with them. You're not walking through the fire alone. There's somebody that's there with you. Who is that God? He's the same God that 
spoke this world into existence. He's the same God that's able to say, let there be light, and there is light. He knows no limits, no boundaries. And when you're willing to invite him into your situation, he'll step right into the middle of it with you. Everybody say, he can do it. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing what happens when all of a sudden people find out about the reality of the power of God. I'll never forget, I was in a revival one time and I was praying for folks, you know, and several people were down on the floor and I had the pastor come running up to me and he said, you see that couple right there? I said, yeah. He said, they don't believe in that. I said, I guess they do now. <laughs> Do you understand? It's, it's the, the power of God is real. If God spoke this world into existence, if he spoke this universe into existence, how in the world do you think that he's so small that he can't touch your body? He's more than able. He's more than enough. Let him into your world. Everybody say, come on in, Lord. You remember that song years ago? Welcome to my world. Won't you come on in? I better stop while I'm ahead. <laughs> You've got to let God do that. You, sometimes what we do is we, cre we create a wall and we let God come so far, but we won't let him in all the way. And he's saying, I've either got to be first in your life or I can't be there because he's not a number two God. He only knows how to be number one. Everybody say number one. Let me ask you something, ladies. Do you want to be your wife's or your husband's second choice? Do you just want to be, you know, in, well, I'm, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Look, I, I'm just going to tell you, I've been in some cultures where, you know, the men not just had a wife, but they had two or three girlfriends. And, and that was their culture. And I thought to myself, well, my wife don't care nothing about your culture. <laughs> and, and women won't. You don't, you don't want to. God doesn't want to share you with other things. He wants to be everything to you. Amen. Everything for you. When they came out of that furnace, Nebuchadnezzar looked at that and he changed his mind. And he said, from now on, he said, anybody that says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're going to be cut to pieces and their homes will be made a dunghill because there's no other God that can deliver like that. Everybody say, that's who he is. There's no other God that can deliver like our God can. When you search it out about who God is, you see it throughout Scripture. You see Moses standing against the strongest power in the world with Egypt. And when he stands and he goes to Pharaoh and he says, the Lord has said, let my people go. And then all of a sudden Pharaoh responds to him. This is in Exodus 5 and 2. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Look, folks, you don't know what you don't know, right? I mean, there was a time I didn't know God. I just didn't know him. I thought, you know, I, I mean, I went to a church where, you know, the, the Holy Ghost came down, people were speaking in tongues. I thought they was all crazy. 
I thought, man, these people have flipped out. I looked over at my brother to ask, to tell him, Paul, let's get out of here. But it was too late. <laughs> my brother was laid in the pew doing this. <laughs> I thought, oh, no. It got on him. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I'm telling you that there's a reality to God that you can't run away from. There's a reality to God that wants to show himself in, to you in a personal way. Everybody say, personally. He didn't know him. He said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? I know not the Lord, neither will I let his people go. You don't want to get in a wrestling match with God. How many of you have ever done that before? You know, God asked you to do something and you didn't do it. I'm the only one in this building that's ever been there. Has anybody ever done that? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. All right, thank God for some honesty. <laughs> we wrestle with it, don't we? Because, you know, sometimes we're afraid. He may tell us to go talk to somebody. and We're afraid to talk to him, so we keep our mouth quiet. And we, we won't say anything, and then all of a sudden it's like, I feel like God's got me in a headlock, and, and you know, I ain't going to let, God, give me a break. And he said, I will as soon as you get, say, uncle. <laughs> Actually, it's Jesus, not uncle. <laughs> And so he, he just puts the squeeze on us until we're, and that's what he was getting ready to do with Pharaoh. He was getting ready to put the squeeze on the most powerful nation in the world. I want you to hear me, folks. We need not be arrogant as Americans. We, hey, I thank God for this country, but I understand that the reason this country is great is because of God. And the moment that we begin to push God out and we forget God, look for the headlock to come. Because God's not going to let man get his glory. And so the most powerful nation on the face of the earth is in a wrestling match with God. Pharaoh boasted the most powerful army. No one had been able to stand against him. But Pharaoh was about to learn who that God is. Who is that God that can deliver you out of my hand? By the time God gets done, he turns the water to blood. He brings frogs. Everybody say frogs. How many of you have ever had an invasion of frogs? There, there were so many frogs that you couldn't lay down in the bed without getting uh, sleeping next to smack them. I'm talking about that frog on sugar smacks. It was, it, 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 they were there. And, and Moses went to him and Moses is trying to show him that God's the one that's doing this. This isn't coincidental. Sometimes we go through stuff and we don't understand why it's happening or why it's going through. And God's trying to get our attention, but we keep trying to blow it off. Like, well, that's just a coincidence. That's got nothing to do with God. Don't do that, man, because it'll keep coming. I mean, he goes, Moses goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, make these frogs go away. And listen to what Moses says. I'm just going to give it to you in plain English. Moses said, glory over me. In other words, Moses said, take authority over me. You tell me when you want these frogs to leave, because Moses was trying to show him that the same God that brought the frogs was the God that was going to get rid of the frogs. And he looked at Moses and he said, how many of you remember what he said? He said, tomorrow. Folks, there's something wrong with that. 
Because if I got a bed full of frogs, I don't want them to leave tomorrow. I want them to leave right now. I want them out of my bed. But sometimes we just keep sleeping with frogs. We just, well, you know, I hadn't had quite enough of it yet. And so one more night with the frogs. He goes from frogs to lice. They have a, how many of you remember the swarm of flies that come in? If you look at that in, in Scripture, if you ever notice, you remember I told you here a while back that if it's italicized, that that means that those words were added. It wasn't in the original text. And so if you look that up in the King James Version, you'll see swarms is in bold print, but of flies is italicized. So the, the real definition of swarms were mosquitoes and divers sorts of flies. I could take you to a place on 146 in West Viana into the bottoms where a friend of mine took me squirrel hunting one day. I don't know how much those mosquitoes paid him to haul me down there, but by the time those rascals got done sucking the blood out of me, I thought they were going to have to take me to the hospital and give me a transfusion. Man, I was, so, I, I was so eaten up. And you hear me, if there's a mosquito in this house, you've got nothing to worry about as long as I'm here. Because that rascal's going to find me before he ever thinks about biting you. And, and, and man, I mean, think about it. Swarms of them. Their houses are covered with them. Have you ever been in a place where you, you, you know how those gnats will swarm you ever, did you ever run through one of those when you were a kid and get it in your eye? Or open your mouth and you get it in your mouth? Can, can you imagine mosquitoes coming after you like B-52 bombers? And the, the flies came and he still won't give it up. And then all of a sudden, all their livestock starts to die. They have boils. He sends a thunderstorm mixed with hail and fire. Locusts show up. It turns dark. And then... The final plague. Because you either are going to say uncle or you're going to wish you had. And he said, I'm going to send an angel through. And if you apply blood of a lamb over your doorposts, that angel's going to pass over you. But for everyone that doesn't, he's going to take the firstborn of every child and animal in Egypt. He said, and there'll arise a cry out of Egypt like has never been heard before. And that night, it hit. You could hear people screaming. And Pharaoh sends for Moses and Aaron. And he's had enough. He looks at them and he said, get your family, get your flocks, and get out of here. And then he looked at him and he said, but bless me also. I don't want to serve your God. I don't want to commit to your God. I just want him to let me out of this headlock. I don't want to surrender my life. I just want my life back. 
but don't you know that he loves you too much? Listen, he will accept you just the way he finds you. If you're a drug addict, if you're a prostitute, if you're an alcoholic, if you're a liar or a cheat, he will accept you just like he finds you, but he loves you too much to leave you the way he finds you, so he changes you. Everybody say, thank God for the change. He changes us. And so Pharaoh found out who is that God that can deliver you out of my hand. I want to end today with a story of Hezekiah. Hezekiah is in Judah. And all of a sudden, the king of Assyria that had taken Israel captive showed up at Hezekiah's doorstep. And I want you to listen to the words that are sent to him. He sends a letter to Hezekiah, and it sounded something like this. This is the king of Syria. Have the gods of any other nations ever saved their people from the king of Assyria? What god of any nation has ever been able to save its people from my power? So what makes you think that the Lord can rescue Jerusalem from me? You ever been there? You ever feel intimidated? Now, I wondered what Moses felt like when he threw that staff down and, the, and it became a serpent and Pharaoh's sorcerers threw their staffs down and they became serpents as well. God didn't tell him anything about that. God just told him, he said, I'm going to take care of you. And sometimes you just have to learn how to trust him. You're not going to get a blueprint for everything you've got to walk through. And those are the times in your life when you find out whether or not you really have faith or whether you've just been walking along floating because faith will take hold. Outside on our LED sign, there's a sign that pops up that says, worry ends where faith begins. When all of a sudden your faith becomes real to you, Hezekiah has seen the kingdom of Assyria destroy Israel. They're camped out now, and they have screamed at the top of their lungs to the people of that nation and said, don't listen to Hezekiah. Don't let him deceive you into following that God because he's not going to be able to rescue out of my hand. Who is that God that can free you, that can save you from my hand? Hezekiah took that letter and he walked into the temple with it. He laid it down on the altar and he prayed. And he said, God, he said, it's true that they've conquered all these nations and none of those gods were able to save them. He said, but they weren't gods at all. They were just figures of wood and stone and silver and gold. But, but Father, he said this against you. So show him that you're truly God, that you're the only God that's in the universe. Have you ever felt like you were all alone? Ever felt like your back was against the wall? Ever felt like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do? You remember that movie, Karate Kid? 
You know what my favorite part of that movie was? You remember when all those boys have got Daniel's son? And they're putting a whipping on him? And I mean, man, they got him cornered. They're beating the tar out of him. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, jumps the old man. <laughs> Everybody say, Mr. Miyagi. He jumped out, man, these guys, these kids, are, you know, and all of a sudden he starts taking them down one at a time. And Daniel's son learns something there that day. He learns that everything Mr. Mayagi had been talking to him about, had been teaching him, had been trying to pour into him, wasn't just a bunch of junk. It was what was, he, he was seeing it demonstrated. Listen to me, when you say yes to God and you let him in, you can rest assured, you can be still in the midst of the battle and know that he's God because he's going to show himself real. He sends word to Hezekiah. Let me put it to you in plain English. Don't sweat it. He said, I'm going to take care of this thing. There are over 185,000 troops that are camped on the border of Judah. Over 185,000. How do you know that it's over 185,000? Because that night... God sent an angel in the camp, and he stepped on 185,000 of them. The Bible said that the next morning when they woke up, the troops looked around and they saw 185,000 corpses. Guess what they did? They packed their stuff up and went home. <laughs> and Hezekiah was shown who that God is. Now, I want you to hear me. You may be facing something today that you can't resolve on your own. You may have financial trouble that's shown up and you don't know how you're going to resolve it. But there's a God that knows how. Amen. If you'll trust him with it, if you'll give it to him, if you'll just believe that he's able you may have a health issue that's come up in your life unexpectedly and doctors are even perplexed over it. Can I inform you today that God is not perplexed? He knows what you're going through and he's able to deliver you from it. But we've got to trust him with it. And so we've got to learn how to give it into his hand. You may have a circumstance that you don't know how you're going to resolve, how you're going to get out of it. God knows what you're going through. Would you stand with me? I'm going to share the story with you. We're going to pray. This happened in a tent meeting. The evangelist was preaching, and as he was, he's in the middle of his message, and all of a sudden he looked up the aisle, and this woman came walking down the aisle toward him. And he thought to himself, What's she doing? She, she just stops him in the middle of his message. He said, ma'am, I'm preaching. He said, I know you are, and I'm so sorry to, to interrupt your message. He said, but I, 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 I'm running out of time. So what are you talking about? She said, it's 9.45. At 10 o'clock tonight, they're going to execute my son for a murder he didn't commit. Now, this is verifiable. You can check this out. This isn't a parable. 
this happened. She looked at him and said, if I don't get a miracle, I'm going to lose my son. That preacher grabbed her and he said, man, before I knew what came out of my mouth, I said, your son's not going to die. He's going to live. And he said, man, I was supposed to be back there the next night. He said, I thought, what am I saying? He said, and then all of a sudden, man, the Spirit of God came over me. He said, I started praying, Holy Spirit, apprehend that man right where he's at. Cause him to confess, God. Cause the man that really did this crime to confess. Service ended. He went on. Service ended. He went home. He said, man, I couldn't sleep at all. He said, I, I, I was thinking, what have I done? They're going to run me out of town on a rail. And he got up the next morning, went into a place for breakfast. He, 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 wasn't, he said, I wasn't hungry. He said, I just asked for some coffee. And he said, they gave me some coffee. And he said, all of a sudden, there was a guy across from him. And he, he, he had a paper open. And he started looking over that paper. He said, let me see that paper. He grabbed that paper. And it said, last night at 9, I think it was at 9.51, an execution was stayed when the real murderer called in and confessed to the crime. Who is that God? That's the kind of God he is. That's the kind of God we serve. What I'm asking you is don't make him small. Don't put him in a box. Don't get to the place where we feel like, well, you know, God can do this, but he doesn't do this anymore. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this is what I'm challenging you to do today. I'm challenging you that whatever your situation is, whatever it is you're facing, to bring it to him today and let him show you who he is. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the different names of God. And we're going to discover that God was trying to reveal himself to us all along, who he is. If you say John Wayne, you immediately think of a cowboy. You don't think of a New York City cop. You think of a cowboy. If you say Gilligan, you think of a guy with a white sailor's hat on his head. Why? Because you're associating the name with the character. But sometimes we don't know God the way he wants us to know him. And he's trying to show himself real to us. But we have to be willing to reach out and say, here I am, God. Show me. Show me right now. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come forward. As they come forward, if you're in this place and you're facing a situation, you've got a circumstance in your life that you need God to answer. I was talking about financial. Man, years ago I had a bill to pay and I didn't know how I was going to pay it. And I'd been praying, you know, and I thought, well, I'm just going to call and see if I can borrow money from mom. And all of a sudden I, I felt 
the Spirit of the Lord just quicken me and say, no, don't do it. Look, man, it's 10 o'clock. I'm supposed to be up there by, I think I was supposed to be up there at two o'clock and pay that bill. And so I didn't do it. And I'm thinking, God, what's going to happen, man? It's, it's like one o'clock and I'm sweating bullets thinking, how's it going to happen? Debbie's mom showed up. And when she showed up, she said, I met your old landlord in town. I said, really? I said, yeah. She said, you moved out before you used up all the rent. So she's, she, she sent this money as a refund to you. I ain't never heard of a landlord doing that. I grabbed that money. I looked at my watch. I grabbed that money. I ran uptown. I paid that bill off. It was at a gas station. Not only did I have enough to pay the bill off, I had enough to get a tank of gas. That's how God works. So right now, as they sing this song, you've got a need. I want you to come and I want you to come expecting and saying, God, I trust you. Show me your power. Show me that you're able, Lord. I need you now. So they sing this song, would you come? Go ahead. What are these folks doing on the floor? Look, the Bible said that no man can see God and live. So if God touches you, something's going to happen. You may just, you may cry. You may get happy. You may, you may begin to laugh. You may just, you may just feel like you're about to explode on the inside. But he's the God that spoke this world into existence. So let him touch your life. Let him breathe into you. And this is what I'm asking. I'm challenging you to become an ambassador. Don't just come into this place like this is our clubhouse. It's time to go out from here and start inviting souls to come in and see God change their life. Amen. Come on, 
I said, amen. Let me, hang, hang on just a second. I need to share this with you, and I'm going to let you go. I don't, I don't see him right now. Is Pianchi back there? Oh, my goodness, he's right there. He's right Bianchi came in two weeks ago, right? This is his first time in here? Yeah, well, you got baptized last week. You were here the week before that. Okay, he was here two weeks ago. He, he came in the next week to be baptized. You saw him be baptized last week. Pianchi said, man, I was here the other Sunday, and he said, I felt something just go whoosh over me. He said, man, he was so excited. And then we were baptized him, and what I didn't know is Michelle had been sharing with Pianchi at work. And, and Pianchi was a Muslim, right? Yeah, he ain't no more. <laughs> that, my friend, is the power of a living God. Who is that God? He's the I Am. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Rose of Sharon, the Morning Star. And he's able. He's able. Let's raise your hands and say, God is more than enough. I want you going out knowing that you're the head and not the tail. That God has chosen to bless you going out and coming in. And he's anxious to show you who he is. So any situation you're facing, just go ahead and say, here it is, God, and watch him take care of it. Amen. Come on. God bless you today. Hey, make sure you greet those that have been baptized. Congratulate them on that new step in their life. We hope you've been touched by today's message. I wanted to take a moment and just remind you how very much God loves you. The Apostle Peter tells us that it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, God speaks through the prophet and tells us that I know what my plans are for you, that they're plans for good and not for destruction, to give you a future and a hope. That's what God wants for your life. He has a plan and a purpose designed specifically for you. And you can walk into that plan and purpose by just asking him in your heart today. I wonder if you'd take a moment right now and just stop wherever you're at and pray this prayer with me. God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Lord, I believe that Jesus was crucified on my behalf that you raised him from the dead so that I could have life. And right now, I accept you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, 
We believe that angels are rejoicing in heaven because you've come home. Now the important thing is for you to find a good Bible-believing church and become a part of that as you continue your journey with Jesus. We want to invite you to come and be with us any chance you get. Until then, remember, Jesus loves you and we do too.